Eric and Garrett are all in the house, and uh, we have a new papa. Congratulations on your birth of your son, Garrett. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So I wasn't here last week, uh, which was all kind of relating to that, but yeah, so second son was born just about a week ago, and so we're settling into that new lifestyle. Have you slept? Um, yeah, so surprisingly, I've slept pretty well, um, but... The first one, so we had our first son about two years ago, and I went probably six months without sleeping more than two hours in any given night. Uh, not because my son wasn't sleeping, but just because I had so much anxiety about the lifestyle change of having a new son. Um, I mean, it just completely, I thought that I knew what to expect. I had no idea <laughs> what to expect, as it turns out. Um, and so it just, it was such a radical change. I could not sleep, period. And it was so frustrating because my son would be there sleeping and he'd sleep for hours at a time and I'd just be sitting there awake. Like I couldn't sleep. But um, that taught me a lot about being a parent. And so now with my second son here, um, I am much more calm, much less anxious, and I'm able to sleep uh, actually decently well. And it helps that so far he seems to be a really good sleeper too. So... Uh, all things considered, it's going pretty well. Good, good. And yeah. Papa's got a brand new bag. You bought a new bike. Yeah, that's right. And hopefully my wife can't hear right now because she doesn't <clears throat> know that I bought it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my next question. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't cared to uh, bring that up yet. Waiting for the right moment. but <laughs> When he's um, 18, I think will be the right moment. When he graduates from high school. Yeah. No, well, honey, I've always had this. I just, it was in parts. Luckily, the, the motorcycle is cheap, so I don't know if she'll be that concerned about it. But, um, so, I mean, you guys know, I've talked about it a bunch of times. I, my Yamaha TX750, I ride primarily, but I also work on it primarily, too. I mean, I, I, I put, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of hours into it. And I finally got it to the point where everything works pretty well, but, um... While working on the 750, I kind of realized that I needed another motorcycle that was just reliable, easy to get parts for, uh, I don't really care about. Because um, the 750, I'm kind of sentimental about it. Uh, so I've just been loosely looking for a really cheap motorcycle. And as I described it on Facebook, it's kind of a motorcycle that you can park anywhere. You don't really care about it. It's just something to put miles on. Change the oil every once in a while if I really get bored, <laughs> you know, just just really kind of beat on it. So I am always on Craigslist, just humoring myself with looking at because, motorcycle because ads like that's most of us what are. we do. <laughs> I know, which is probably why I have so many motorcycles. I should really get off of it or uh, Craigslist. But at any rate, so I saw this motorcycle and uh, I think I saw it initially a couple weeks back and the. Uh, ad was, I think it was 2200 bucks that he was asking for it. And 
And then it was like the next day it was like 2000 bucks. And then the next day it was like 1900 bucks. <laughs> right. And it just kept on going down and down. And so I got the impression that this guy really needed to sell it. And so we had this big snowstorm here in Portland recently. And, um, which is kind of a good time to buy a motorcycle, uh, not a great time to sell one, but, um, I also didn't have the opportunity to test ride it too. So I kind of went there, um, thinking I'd just buy it for really cheap and then hopefully it worked because I couldn't really test drive it or anything. So, um, I did, it was advertised as being, um, pretty well sorted, didn't need anything ready to ride. And I, after buying it, I found that to be mostly true. Um, but not entirely true. Uh, so after the snow melted, I took it on a ride and it, it does everything that it's supposed to. It stops, it goes, it's got all the gears, it runs seemingly well. Um, but it had an HID headlight retrofitted mm-hmm. into it. And that by itself is not such a big deal, but on uh, an 82 motorcycle or any old motorcycle, there is not a lot of room to put things. You know, you can't really put uh, anything behind fairings. It's tough to hide. It's just got a headlight bucket where most of your wiring connections are. So, and you guys probably know with HID lighting systems, there's quite a few components that go to it, um, ballasts and, and things. In all of, there's like, an abundance of wiring, almost like it was an automotive kit with like three feet of wire for each component, but all just kind of like zip tied up. Some of it stuffed into the headlight bucket, some of it zip tied to stuff behind the headlight bucket. So I ripped all that out. And when I was taking it all out, I noticed that there is like new electrical tape around parts of the wiring harness for the motorcycle. So I started taking off the electrical tape and found that the majority of the wiring harness has like charring on it, <laughs> which which is odd because the, the motorcycle is actually in really good shape. Um, like it doesn't look there's no evidence that it's ever been down. There's no evidence that it's ever been crashed. There's no real evidence that anything's really been done to it, you know, because you can tell except that somebody hooked up a. Well, jumper cables to it backwards or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like you can tell looking at screws if they've been uh, taken off, you know, because it, you can. T- there's a mark on it, especially um, like hex head socket bolts. Like you can tell if sockets have been on mm-hmm. it. And and this one actually looks pretty good. But yeah, at some point somebody did something terrible to the electrical system. Um, it it was all functioning, but. I didn't want to spend the time to repair the harness. So I went on to eBay and I found a really, really nice, nearly perfect wiring harness for the same bike for 30 bucks. Hmm. So, so I bought it. Um, and it's really simple to replace because it doesn't go into anything. It's not like it goes inside the frame or does anything. It's got some simple connections by the battery. Um, it routes directly up to the headlight bucket (laughs) where it just has other simple plugins. Um, so there's probably what 20 wires in total. Yeah, it's it's I mean, you know, it's an 82 bike. There's really nothing to it. So um, but I was really impressed. It's it's actually, I think, a one year only motorcycle. Yeah. Um, And so I was surprised and impressed to find a wiring harness, especially for thirty dollars. And that wasn't the only one. There's like five of them on eBay. So I picked the one that I wanted. Um, And then I got a new headlight for it to get rid of the H.I.D., 
set up and, and <clears throat> what else? Oh, yeah, it had some like goofy ignition system or not ignition system. Sorry, ignition switch. Uh, and so I got a new one of those, too. It was all kind of part of that weird wiring mess. Um, so otherwise, it seems to be in pretty good shape. So I'm just going to fix up a couple little things and then ride it like I don't care. So, yeah, that that 82 was the first year of the Nighthawks, the first year Honda used that term. And that's the only single overhead cam Nighthawk motor because they the next year they went to the had an architecture that was what? 550, 650, yeah. 700, later the 750 mm-hmm. that were all of the uh, double overhead cam with the hydraulic lash adjusters on them yeah. and the jack shaft for the uh, alternator behind the engine. So your bike is actually uh, kind of the last hurrah of what it was originally the CB500. It became the CB550, yep. CB650. And that was the end of the road for that bike was yours. Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. The the 650 um, is just a bored out version of the 550 and was known to be a generally reliable motor. Um, mm-hmm. But the dual over the dual overhead cam motors um, <clears throat> that they used the following year, um, gosh, I think that was basically the same motor that they used all the way through the Nighthawk. All the, all the, the air cooled, whatever. Yeah, all the air cooled Honda fours from then on, up until the 1100 they came out with in whatever that was, 2014. Uh, that was new, but everything from that to the last Nighthawk 750 were pretty much the same motor. They 83 they had a 550 that they only did for one year. Uh-huh. Which was the same body and motor as the 650, but it had a little swoopier, more cruisery seat and a, and I think taller handlebars. Yeah. Uh, which actually, those are really, really good bikes and they'll run forever, but I like the looks of yours. The perfect 90 degree vertical cylinders just have mm-hmm. an old school look to them that, that I think is really cool. And, yeah. and, and, and are there, like hints of sundown stripes in the tail section there? Uh, kind of. I was just talking to Pete before the podcast began, and um, it's been repainted. I really like the color scheme, like how it should have been originally. And they, I think they had two colors. There's a black and a blue with kind of like a chrome accent stripe around the mm-hmm. tank that followed mm-hmm. into the uh, plastic uh, rear tail section. And mine has been repainted. And it's done pretty well, except that the gas tank cap doesn't seal very well. So some fuel has uh, leaked out around where the gas cap seals, and it has bubbled the paint up. So I've never painted anything before, and I honestly don't know the first thing about painting. But I decided that I was going to use this motorcycle as, I guess, my guinea pig. So I was just going to sand out the the paint around where the gas cap is. But I want to return it back to its original black look. So I'm going to paint the tank and the the side panels and the rear section black, get reproduction decals for it, put them on, and then put a clear over that, um, just so it looks like it did in 82. But the paint itself right now, I would leave it if it just didn't have that bubbling right around where the gas cap is. Some sundown stripes would be pretty legendary, I think, on this motorcycle. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. 
And if you don't don't know what we're talking about, Sundown Stripes is uh, it's a phenomenon in the seventies and eighties <laughs> on bikes and cars. And if you want to see a lot of examples, go to Facebook and look at I Heart Sundown Stripes and join that group. Uh, every once in a while, somebody posts up something new. I'll tell you that the Nighthawk that I would really like to get is that same year they made a 750 with the CB750F, CB750 Custom, CB900, mm -hmm. that engine. And it is remarkable how much that 750 from the profile looks like a Triumph or a, yeah, a Triumph Hurricane, the yeah. X75 Hurricane. It was one of the, right in that era was when they were starting to regularly integrate the tail section, the side covers, and the tank together in kind of one swoopy shape. And uh, uh, as far as cruisers go, the Nighthawks were, the seats weren't too low, so your legs weren't too cramped. They didn't have forward pegs. They didn't have ridiculously high handlebars on them. They were actually ergonomically nicer than a lot of other customers. Yeah. I still can't get past the chrome stripes. <laughs> I, you know, it, I the reason why I want to do it is I prefer a motorcycle to look 100% untampered with just like it was supposed to even if it's ugly i would rather it look like it did originally than trying to change it and so um the chrome stripes probably wouldn't be my first choice however because that's how it was supposed to look i want it to be that way i i can kind of see that it's kind of like uh i would not want to have a gray pink and teal car but if i got like the old uh packard caribbean or whatever it is you know that some of those 50s cars that came mm -hmm. like that then you'd go yeah yeah or even like a mid 80s uh gsxr 750 or you know something with like the kind of neon green and and yellow and mm -hmm. blue and yeah i mean on a new motorcycle that would look completely awful but it works on the the right vintage, you know. If it's supposed to be that way, then it, it works. And so, now, if you had a two fifty interceptor, would you want it to be? Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> any of those possible color combinations. Absolutely. Well, in the news, something that motorcycle people are in a bit of a, a rant about. Congress is considering a tax on European goods because of a tax the European Union put on American beef or they're they're limiting the amount of beef they'll import or something like that. Punitively, they want to punish them with a new retaliatory tariff. And it's on various foodstuffs. And the idea is they're going to extract that same amount of pain from the Europeans. And it's, if you look through the list, it's a lot of foodstuffs. The two things that really are bizarre are hair clippers and European built motorcycles under 500 CC. Yeah. So here's what I understand about it. And maybe this is right or wrong. You guys will probably know better than me. Our beef standards don't meet 
European standards. I don't think that they allow hormones and Correct. some other things. And so they wouldn't allow us to export beef to Europe because it, they didn't meet the European standards. Then um, I think uh, in 2009 or eight, uh, they allowed some exporting of beef that did meet the standards, but really not very much. And so um, the I think they determined that there is no scientific basis on the beef not meeting the standards. And so the World Trade Organization said to the U.S., well, you can um, add tariffs onto certain European products and then uh, got a list of uh, products that they could uh, add taxes onto. And um, like you said, Pete, most of it was all food stuff um, and agricultural products. But then at the bottom of the list, there's, among other things, uh, motorcycles up to 500 cc's, um, which I think is is odd. I don't know really why that is included on the list. Well, it's not like see one of the uh, Pete. Well, neither I don't. Well, Pete might have been. You were close. Yeah, you you would have been born when this happened. I was not, but old enough to know about it, especially working in the car industry. Um, we have this thing called the chicken tax. Yep. And there is a reason why there are no imported pickup trucks in the U.S. And that, especially now, there were at one time. But it comes down to in the mid-60s, um, I want to say it was Turkey, but I think it was something about selling chickens into Europe or selling chickens uh, to somewhere in the world. I think it was Europe. Um, but don't ask me why I think it was Turkey. No, Turkey wasn't because that's – anyways – Turkey gets around some of these import limitations, but regardless. Um, so there was a tax on vans, trucks, and like work vehicles built outside the U.S. to some extraordinary like 50% tax or 25, 25%. Or 25%, right, sorry. Um, and so and, and it's funny because this is like as soon as I saw this, I go, oh, look, we have a new chicken tax. Just arbitrarily because the ag industry is, gets – hacked off and their their paid minions go to their to whoever they paid off in government and said we want our revenge and we don't care who you screw but we want we want our we want our pound of flesh or pound of chicken or pound of beef mm. so essentially it's it's sort of just that all over again and it's i mean it's it's so, government lobbying and in, in 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 full form and and the interesting thing about the chicken tax was that's why the original subaru brat had jump seats yep. in the bed Yep. Oh, really? It was yes. not. It was originally those were not originally part of the design overseas. But when they brought them to the United States, it became a four seat passenger vehicle, not a cargo vehicle. So they could ah. avoid the 25 percent tax by having those jump seats in the bed, which was the one really cool thing. About and they made an icon. You know, the tax yep. made it an iconic vehicle yep that's yep. also why things like the vw bus um you know there, there's a lot of early ones but not a lot after like the mid 60s yeah. there are some they sold them but they got very much more expensive yeah. and like the vw vanigans and all those were always super expensive yeah um, so i don't know anything about politics but why wouldn't they just add a small tax onto everything on the list or some of it like, why is there a threat of a hundred percent tax, like virtually eliminating European motorcycles under 500 cc's from the U.S. market? You, you I would, mean, that seems incredibly ask, bold. 
Yeah, I don't know. The the and one I, thing is, there aren't that many European sub 500 cc motorcycles that come in. The Duke 390 is built in uh, India, except for well, this is built in Europe, not sold by European brands. So yeah. the Duke 390 is not applicable. The G310 BMW is not applicable. It's going to be like the Scrambler 400 is the one that's going to take well, the big hit. And I bet that becomes a 501cc. The KTM and every, and every KTM, yeah, say all KTM off road bikes. Not the, is, I, I didn't think off road bikes were, were included uh, in it, this. I think I, it's all bikes. Oh, I thought yeah. that it was. And that's a huge, huge thing because, um, well, in off road racing in general, um, I mean, Seven out of ten bikes are KTM's, if not more, uh, in competitive off-road racing, and and that includes the United States. I mean, that's that's that would be huge. Hmm. Uh, okay, I did not I did not so, realize. I thought it was just highway vehicles. So one thing I haven't really nailed down is: is there a legitimate chance that there will be a tax on European motorcycles? Because it seems like. Uh, the motorcycle community just saw that there are motorcycles on this list and are doing everything they can to prevent this from happening. Although it seems like the chances that they would target motorcycles are actually pretty low compared to other things that are on the list. I haven't really, I haven't really found anything that says that there is actually a legitimate chance that this will happen. Oh, I think there's a very legit. I mean, it is the chicken tax or the, the other one, which was not as random as this, but the, the Harley sponsored tariff on bikes over 700 cc. 700 cc. Yep. Yeah. That that I mean that happened. I I can see this. Here, sorry, I didn't find the exact thing, but it's it it's mentioned here. Item eight seven one one three zero zero zero. Motorcycles, including mopeds and cycles, fitted with reciprocating internal combustion piston engines with cylinder capacities over two fifty cc, two fifty and over, I assume, but not over five hundred cc. Um, I'm actually looking at regulations.gov and looking at the actual proposal document and they list okay. category 8711200 is everything 50 to 250 and 8711300 is 250 to 500. Right. So those two, right. yeah, yeah. two trade categories are what, and it does not any, say anything about highway legal. So you, right. I was mistaken. That's a, that's, yeah, yeah, motorcycles and cycles. So, I mean, I, I take that to mean everything. If that means like scooters, yes. that's going to kill Vespa. Yep. I yeah. mean, which, yeah. Uh, uh, although, nobody. although I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure America is all that big a market for Piaggio. I don't think so, but they are for KTM and, you know, KTM's already an underdog in this, and so this would really hurt them. The uh, I know the American AMA, the American Motorcycle Association, is already out in force with a uh, at least an email campaign trying to w- raise awareness for this, and pretty much every motorcycle publication has pushed out a story on it. Um, so hopefully, I mean, but so here's the thing: if you are irritated about this. Do not email your Congress critter. Pick up a phone and call their local office. 
So whatever your senator or congressperson's local office is, lob a phone call to them because in doing a lot of reading for other political stuff, um, that is the most effective way to lobby your opinion and get your opinion into your local congress critter is not to email them, not to call their national office in Washington, but call your local office for them. And um, and that's the most effective thing you can do. There's a lot of th- other things on this list that really alarm me, such as prepared mustard. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had mustard from Germany that comes in this in the tin tube, but it's addictive. It makes every yeah. other mustard in the world just seem totally substandard. I I would pay a hundred percent tax on that and still go to World Market and get my German uh, <laughs> mustard in a tube. Uh, lingonberry and raspberry jams are also going to be on the list. So, you know, the lingonberry enthusiasts marching in the street about that. Yeah. So we talked about KTM being affected by this, uh, BMW a little bit, possibly. Um, Ducati, 400cc scrambler, as far as street bike-wise, uh, there is talk, well, Aprilia just refreshed the shiver, but that's at a larger displacement. But there is talk that they're going to bring back a single cylinder, um, smaller displacement bike again. So, okay, they, they're they they're not a huge presence. But yeah, I think you're right, Garrett. The, the big thing would be all your 250, 400, 350, 400, all, the, all those KTM bikes. Yeah. Huskeberg is mostly over 500 cc. Huskeberg no, and, and no. Well, Husqvarna is KTM now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Husqvarna. Uh, I don't really know what they're doing right now, but one of the really popular bikes was a 390. Okay. I don't know if it really matters, but uh, Husqvarna shares a lot of the same components as KTM. I don't know if they're sourcing parts yeah i don't know what the relationship is to ktm but they do use uh, many of the same components which then goes back to hurting ktm right and i mean it's not unreasonable to think that well if we can throw a tax on one side of the world why can't we throw a tax on the other side of the world for the same thing and then then you get into the the yamaha kawasaki you know like all the all the beginner bikes that we encourage people to get on yeah what it comes down to is I need to go out and get that Beta 125 dual-purpose bike right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Unless you're just planning on riding an electric bike, in which case you'll still be able to get those. How many European electric bikes? Uh, the Boltaco, the new Boltaco company. But they're not importing those, but they could. They've been yeah. talking about that in the next couple of years. The Brinko is a really cool kind of in that gray area between an electric assisted bicycle and an electric motorcycle. I I would love to have one, not anything to do with the name just because it would be something really cool to go mess around on. I've read so many reviews that were very positive about them. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. I sort of was at a loss for an electric assisted bicycle until I was watching a blog from a guy in New York and He's kind of a well-known guy in Casey Neistat. But anyways, um, he's riding an electric skateboard, and then he's sort of racing a guy on a bicycle who's not pedaling very hard but going very quickly. And he's like, oh, yeah, electric. And I got, oh, okay, and running around in New York City, yes, in Manhattan. that I could see that making all the sense in the world. Yeah, absolutely. From what I understand is they make a big difference uh, in riding because mainly that electric assist kicks in when you're going up a hill. 
Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's, you know, if you're coasting, it's charging the battery. That's one of the reasons why I got out of mountain biking is because I didn't like pedaling uh, <laughs> up a hill. And so something like the Brinko would probably be perfect. It's Brinko. cool. It's kind of a cool looking thing. Yeah. It's almost like a trials bike. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it looks like a downhill mountain bike just with that's a battery cool. pack strapped to it. Well, that's something I just thought of is pretty much every trials bike is European and under 500. So, well, yeah, that's also a good point. I never even thought about trials bikes, but you're absolutely right on that. The Honda Montessas, the yep. Beta. I don't gas, even know. Gas. gas gas is going in and out of bankruptcy yeah. every couple of years, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you really don't have another option for a trials bike other than something that would be taxed. Yeah. Although trials bikes, I don't know how popular they are in the u.s i mean certainly they sell them but no it's just that if you're that person regardless of how small the market is you don't have an option you're gonna pay a lot because they're expensive anyways yeah so you're talking about like a fourteen thousand dollar trials bike after a hundred percent tax well it's the difference between buying a trials bike and doing events and buying a trials bike and not doing events yeah (laughs) although really i don't know how 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 easily it is to find what you want in the used market. You know, the the sales of trials bikes kind of goes in, in waves. It's popular for it's, a couple of years and then nobody buys them and then they kind of get popular again. And Yeah. Um, they're very difficult to find in the used market. I know I've always wanted a trials bike, um, but I've, I've never been willing to pay what you have to spend even for a used one. Um, that and when they come up for sale, there's so few and far between. Um, so remember that come like June to August. Um, I know one of the Canadian, one of the guys I know who's multi-time Canadian Superbike champion is also Canadian trials champion and he doesn't mind moving product if mm. that means that he can fund something newer. Yeah. So circle back, circle back to me on that in about six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some of it is. It seems like, oh, they, they go slow. You wouldn't really need to have the latest technology. But every couple of years, there's some technological change that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of all competitive with each other for a number of years. And all of a sudden, somebody does something that kind of ups the ante. Yeah. And you get a new generation. And all of a sudden, you need to have something. Yeah. Yeah, but they there's such an amazing writer aid. I remember one time... One of my friends who is approaching 70 years old now, I went to his home and he has a, a motocross track at his house and I was on my full size dirt bike and I feel like I'm decently fast. And granted, this was his track, but he was on a trials bike. And by the third, maybe the fourth corner, I couldn't even see his dust anymore. He was so far in front of me. It was ridiculous. And it made me feel terrible. But he rides his trials bike so much and he is so quick on it. It's amazing the agility that you learn and the balance. And um, as far as rider aids go, it would be so fun to have one. But they are so weird to ride. I don't know if you guys have ever ridden a trials I, bike. You were, you were telling us once before that y- yeah. you found it surprisingly difficult just to navigate on it. Yeah. To go up a hill, say a, a 12 degree slope, it just like the front end is so light. And they have such a heavy flywheel that like any amount of throttle the front end wants to pick up and it's 
a completely unnatural feeling how far you have to lean over the bike to keep the front end on the ground. Among other things, they're just really odd. It's an odd feeling. There, There is something about really small, minimalist bikes that as much as people tend to go up in displacement and get bigger, heavier, faster, more capable of longer distances so you can tour on them and, you know, handle highway speeds, everything. There is something about a really small bike that's just incredibly fun that you don't get in something that's really big. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. I tell my friends all the time that the most fun I've ever had on a motorcycle was my very first motorcycle, which was that 81 Honda CM400 that I had. And I rode the wheels off of it. And when I had it, I think I was maybe 16 or 17 years old. I might have been 105 pounds. And the fastest it could do with my little 105 pounds on it was like 81 miles an hour. And I mean, that was like the stars had to be aligned to go that fast. But I still to this day have never had as much fun on a motorcycle. It's nice when you have something that doesn't frighten you all the time, but it still does everything that you want it to do, if that makes sense. And so little motorcycles are just so much fun for that reason. Hopefully the market keeps growing with them because I think that it's a kind of a neat class of motorcycle, these little 300cc bikes. My only, my only caveat to that would be, given where Pete and I live, it's hard to exploit all the benefits of a small bike. Yeah. Most of your roads are straight and flat. Oh, yeah. If you're, you know, in a mountainous region or an area that's curvy and hilly, at least there you can you can really whack it and really ride it hard and not ride at immediately go to jail speeds. Yeah. Although, you know, something that just occurred to me is if you live in an area where there's long straight roads, does it really make a lot of difference whether you're on a a big bike? Well, I shouldn't say big bike a big displacement bike versus a little displacement bike. You know, if you're just going to cruise at 60 miles an hour and if the little displacement bike will do 60 without well, struggling from, from riding my TZR 250 around here on the highway, you need to be able to do like 75 and 80. Mm, yeah. And when you're turning 9,000 RPM to do <laughs> 80 miles an hour, right. it's, I'm not going to say it's scary, but it's a little frustrating at times because yeah. you can't really pass anyone at that point because you're <laughs> just about topped out. To give you an idea of how slow our freeways are over here, I have ridden oh, my God. trail 70 on the freeway without any issue. You're lucky over here if you can get going 55 on the freeway and not because of traffic. Like we don't have like super insane traffic over here. It's just people drive exceptionally slow. That was the one thing that the few times I've been, well, when I lived out in Portland, but that was, you know, 17 years ago now. Jeez, longer than that. Um, almost it'll be 20 this year. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> Where did my life go? Um, but I've been out to Seattle a couple of times in the last year and a, the low speed limits, and B, as you say, everyone drives like grandma on Sunday morning yeah. going to church. And yeah. it's like, yeah. hello, <laughs> There will be plenty of people in the left lane going 50 to 55. But also, um, that's the speed limit through most of Portland area on yeah. the freeways is 55 miles an hour. Crazy. Yep. Absolutely crazy. But at any rate, we digressed. There's a website I am trying to think of. It's it's an Italian site for guys that uh, restore and get together and ride 
the 50cc like cafe sport bikes from the 1970s. Piccoli Bastardi, which is little bastards. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll have to put the link in. They're, you know, Apes and Malanka and all of these little tiny bikes that were very popular with young people, mostly teenagers in the seventies in Italy. And I would love to build a replica. They all had really long, narrow tanks, kind of like the old uh, CR 110 Hondas mm-hmm. and little engine. I would love to get like uh one of my favorite engines is a KE 100. Take like a KE 100, put it in one of those really wispy little frames with some 19 inch wheels on it. And, uh, make a super narrow little race bike out of it. I think that would just be a blast. Well, yeah. Pete, what what you really need to do is take a trip to Italy and buy one of those things, and then you could probably disassemble it in about thirty minutes and put it on right. some carry on <laughs> luggage. Yeah. If I weighed one hundred and eighty pounds, I'd be surprised. And and I say this as people I knew people back in the day who raced one twenty five GP bikes and they had it down where they basically had like two or three big pelican cases and they could disassemble their bike and ship it overseas if they wanted to go racing overseas. Yeah. Um with spare with some spares. So that's very that'd be very possible to do. Yeah. Yeah, but I would want to be able to get parts for it and there are very few bikes that are as ubiquitous as a KE 100 in the United States. Yeah, true. that's true. But if you got a chassis and then yeah. just put your KE 100 motor in it, you know, I'll have to find the picture and put it in there. Years ago, when I was living in Idaho, somebody built the Moto Baloney. <laughs> 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 they actually conned people who were motorcycle restoration buffs into thinking it was a real bike. It was a little Benelli that the guy had it. It was an old derelict chassis. The engine had blown up in it, and he had a Suzuki RM80 motocross motor. Yeah. So he stripped the lights off of it, stripped it down, and put this motocross engine in it, and then kind of did the best he could to kind of restyle the engine. And then he went out and got an old, like, 220 or 620 camera with black and white film. Yeah. And went out in an old part of town and shot pictures of himself taking corners with it. And then he put in a frame these three by three square black and white pictures of him in old garb and the kind of blurry pictures. And he had a letter from the founder of the Moto Bologna factory in Italy <laughs> that he had fabricated in Italian. And then had the English translation next to it in the frame, telling the history about Moto Bologna racing in the uh, 50cc races of the 1950s. And people ate it hook, line, and sinker. You know, was- and then he probably could have sold the motorcycle for like 15 grand as a historic piece. I got a down- one of one. <laughs> Something looked weird about it. And I got down close and the... Uh, CCs were cast into the bottom of the cylinder. I'm like, okay, they wouldn't have done that in the 50s. And I looked a little closer, and the engine casting had the Suzuki S in it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I know what it was. He had put, like, a, a shroud over the cooling fins on the motor because it was cut away on one side for the up pipe on the motocrosser. 
And then I realized that the the exhaust pipe came out right where the down to was. So he had welded in a a circular spacer so that it could go through. Well, obviously you wouldn't do that if you were custom making a frame for the engine. And so I yeah. walked up to the guy and I'm like, tell me the story. He's like, you're good because there's a whole lot of people who've been restoring motorcycles that bought that whole thing. So if I saw the RM80 motor, I would, I would recognize that straight away. Sorry, I'm just, I, as you guys are talking, I'm looking on eBay, uh, Italy for like 50 cc motorcycles <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just to see. <laughs> uh, I found a picture of the Moto Baloney and I'll have to, uh, put this in. Uh, yeah, that bike would be a riot to ride though. Those little RM80 motors make really surprising power. The one thing is, if you'll notice it, because he was trying to make it look in the 50s style, it has a megaphone, not a converging expansion chamber on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, that would just absolutely kill kill it. And he said this thing, he very rarely started up because it was oh, yeah, so obnoxiously un- loud. Godly loud. Yeah. He's like, it's uncomfortable to listen to it idle. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that it probably runs, but I would be very surprised if it ran very decent with that. He said it was a light switch. Yeah. You had to slip the clutch until you hit like eight grand and all of a sudden it just screamed. Right. And if you tried to go faster, it would just hit a wall and just wouldn't go any faster. Yeah. You can kind of see in the picture down in the right hand corner what the bike looked like as a riverside. Mm-hmm. And you can see in the picture down in the corner the frame of his, his supposed, uh, provenance and, and documentation that he had researched. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, something like that would be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. All right, here we go. I ITOM, unfamiliar with them, but okay. It's Italian. Super Speed. It's a oops, let me close that. Um an excellent condition. 50 cc's, uh 1160 euros. Which is about thirteen hundred dollars in today's exchange rates. Yeah. Let's see if I can pop it in there and it'll show up or not. But um, yeah, something like that could be cool. Item were actually really dominant in fifty cc production racing for a number of years. Uh, I believe they were one of the few imported to Britain back in that day. So a lot of the 50cc racers in the UK raced them. Gotcha. That's cool. Classic looking motors. I'm I, starting know, to think that the three of us need to build 50cc bikes and have a meet. <laughs> um, yeah, or we could, you know, one thing that's really, really cheap and easy to work on are the 80cc, what is it, PW80 motors? The, oh yeah, the, the case for mm-hmm. horizontal mm-hmm. Yamaha motors. You can pick those up in running condition, really cheap. Yeah, but I, not anywhere near the power of uh, like a RM80 or oh, no. any you, other kind you, of. You said fifty, and I was thinking we could step or, it up or, a little or, bit. You know what, though, the sixty-five cc motors that they are making in the little kids' motocross bikes, the two-stroke ones. Mm-hmm. Those are just the tiniest little compact motors, and they still make ridiculous power. 
the first time I rode a 65, I thought that there is no way in hell somebody would let their kid ride it because it was viciously powerful. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we need to go get like RM65s or KX65s and start yes. with one of those. And you can get them really cheap, too. Okay, yeah. I, I think we have a challenge here. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's look on Craigslist really quick just for giggles here, motorcycles, and just to see. Although and by owners. Do you think that the uh, uh, like the RM80KX80s would be more more available? I mean, they, <clears throat> they outsell the 65s, mm. don't they? No, the 65s, in the last several years, the 65s have become really really popular and the 80s aren't really much of a jump up in power more than they are size and so the 80 cc bikes really kind of fell off the the small displacement two strokes are still popular but after the 65 i think more often than not kids are jumping straight to a four stroke like a crf 150 r or equivalent and so the 80s are just kind of in this weird spot where they don't really sell very well there's a uh, rm65 it's a 2003 model for a thousand bucks um uh, you know another thing that would be a really good place to start with that is the rt100 yamaha which yeah. is basically the old dt100 motor in a mm-hmm. off-road only bike those are just play bikes so they don't nearly make as much power as like the 100cc motocross bikes do, but they'll run forever and they're really cheap on the used market. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing about those 65s is they're water cooled. So then you have to deal with the radiator and they don't look as cool. So I don't know. You kind of want an air cooled motor for something like that, don't you? Just for aesthetics. I would think so. Yeah. 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 So I think we're back to the old 80cc motors. Uh, what's the smallest Honda XR motor? Uh, 50. Well, they, they've got the horizontal 50. The, the 70, not the new XR 70s, but I think the old XR 70s used to be a vertical. Yeah. And and the XR 80s were. Yep. Yep. There has been an XR in just about every displacement you could think of. Yeah. So this is the, uh, I'll throw it in here. Uh, a link to local semi-local Craigslist. I don't know where the hell it. Oh, Monroe, Michigan. Uh, yeah, so it's a seventy that's been actually this one's been poured out to one forty or bored and stroked. But yeah, yeah. it is a uh, horizontal horizontal motor for eight hundred bucks. I have an XR fifty in my garage. Any of the four strokes are going to be so doggy compared with the two stroke. Yes. And- oh yeah. And you have so much more complexity to the motor. One of the cool thing about those little two stroke fifties and eighties is that there's just nothing to them weight wise visually yep no I, i'd rather i'd much rather have a two-stroke because it's just as the simplicity right absolutely so when did they go to water cooling because they they were air cooled after like the 250s and 125s went to water um, cooling for at least 85 86 it okay. depends on the model and it also depends on the displacement so they made KX65s that were water-cooled. I think they started doing water-cooling in uh, 84, 85. Uh, another thing you could do is take the old air-cooled KDX200 motors, which are milder-tuned, but yeah. it's a bigger motor that makes more power. That if you didn't want something as high-strung as a motocross engine, you could do that, and they'll run forever. 
I mean, you just keep re-ringing them and you can keep going. Yeah. A K- you know what? A KX60. That's the right motor. Oh, really? Okay. Air-cooled. They made lots of them. I bet you could find one that ran for 400 bucks. A whole bike. That would be like mid-80s. Uh, okay, well, it's Kijiji in Canada, but what do they want? About 600 bucks Canadian for the three that I just saw in the local on a Toronto list. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what year <clears throat> they went to water-cooled, but through the mid-80s, probably the late 80s, you would have gotten an air-cooled one. Okay. And they rip. So there it is. Okay. K- K- so we're going to do Formula KX60 races. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's also a CR60. Honda made yeah. a CR60. The rule is stock engine, anything else is whatever whatever you can do to it. All right. That works for me. I got two bikes to finish first. I'll get right on there. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a yeah. novel that I'm in the middle of editing and proofreading for my dad. My time is before we go to work in the morning, go in the workshop. But now I'm there's so many other things that every morning it's like, oh, I got to do this. I can't go downstairs. Oh, I got to do this. I can't go downstairs. So, yeah, life gets gets in the way. That sounds like me, too. Well, you you have a brand new baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have an excuse. You, you mean my motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> well, well then th- well then that's the challenge and and if you don't know what we're talking about i will put a couple of uh pictures that we've shared in our chat here and i will also put in a link to clan piccoli bastardi and you can see all of the very very cool magical little back road scratchers that they had so that's i'm not sure show. I'm not sure we talked about anything, but (laughs) that's all right. (laughs) Folks, I hate to tell you this, but we're just here to entertain ourselves and you come along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. You, you listening to it is just the, the gravy. So, okay. Well, I'll see you next week and hopefully have my, uh, my 60 CC racer built by then. Yeah, me too. Okay. I'll get right on that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, there are already 12 people other than Rusty, my wife, and I who have registered for this year's Smack Dab ride. So cool. if everybody shows up, which I doubt they will, but at least people who have an intention of going is uh, is pretty impressive considering it's only January and it takes place in June. And someone uh, online was said they were going to petition the mayor of rugby to allow the motorcycles to camp in the RV, the free RV park that they have at the county fairgrounds. So nice. Other people are, are taking charge and making stuff happen. So, Okay. Yeah. Find us on Facebook. You can see the picture of my new motorcycle that I bought. Um, we're the false neutral and also on Twitter at the false neutral. And as always at Hooniverse, and like us on iTunes, leave a comment on Hooniverse, do all that stuff that kids do these days. You can comment on Facebook, you can comment on Shout Engine, you can comment on Hooniverse, you can comment on iTunes, you can comment so many You can places. comment to your neighbor if you want to. Any number of different ways that you can do that. So. Yeah. Okay, all right. good night gentlemen, and we'll see you all next week. All right, see ya.